Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 66. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. Uh, and it's no surprise that episode 66 would be the one where we talk about Shades of Grey. So <laughs> uh, we're going to be discussing next gen, second season. We're going to finish out the second season Manhunt, The Emissary, Peak Performance, and <laughs> Shades of Grey. Here we go. Manhunt, Season 2, Episode 19, Production Number 145, Original Air Date, June 19, 1989, Directed by Rob Bowman, Written by Terry Devereaux, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy, Guest Cast Include Diana Muldar as Dr. Catherine Pulaski, Majel Barrett as Loxana Troy in Computer Voice, Robert Costanzo as Slade Bender, Carol Stroykin as Mr. Home, Rod Rance as Rex, Calm Meany as Miles O'Brien, Robert O'Reilly as Scarface, Rhonda Aldridge as Madeline, Mick Fleetwood as Antedian Dignitary, and Ren T. Brown as Transporter Pilot. The Enterprise picks up two representatives from the newly discovered planet of Antedi, three, to transport them to a conference on Pacifica. While en route to the conference, the crew are surprised by the unexpected arrival of Loxana Troy, who also happens to be on her way to the meeting on Pacifica. Picard finds himself the object of Mrs. Troy's passions, who is experiencing the phase, a midlife period when a Betazoid woman's sex drive increases tenfold. She has decided to focus all her sexual energy on one male, who will, of course, eventually become her husband. It seems, Captain, that you are the early favorite. Congratulations, sir. I'm not amused, number one. I, uh, you know, one thing I got to say right off the bat on this one. At the end, you know, when Loxana uh, notifies everyone that the Antigans are hiding those bombs and that they were planning to blow up the conference. I don't understand how everybody else can figure it out because I could tell those guys were fishy right away. <laughs> no. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> I like this episode. It's um it's entertaining. Yeah, it's it's not, you know, it's not amazing, uh, incredible fine, but you know what I like about it? It's that it's got such a like relaxed pace and um it's uh it's 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 not played for like full on comedy like say the last Bloxana episode or some that we'll see in the future. But it's got it's got a couple different things going on. You know what? It, it it's I've talked about this before. Some episodes I like where you know the, the main thing I like about Star Trek as a trekker is like living in this universe, right? Episodes like this, which we don't get a lot of, but that um, it, it kind of shows you like, hey, this is what it really is like to live on this ship. Sometimes stuff like you know throwing in Dixon Hill, which is normally the kind of thing. Well, where if we're, well if we're going to put Dixon Hill in there, you know that's got to be what the episode is, right? But no, it's just this thing that he does to get away. It's on the last half of the episode, you know, um, and he just goes in there and have a conversation. In fact, whenever they tr- the computer tries to throw in something that's got guns and is all violent and action, he's like, no, 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 that's not what I want, you know? Um, that's kind of what I feel like I get out of this episode that I kind of enjoy. Um, it's just this kind of relaxed, simple state of it. Um, not a lot going on, but... Um, I kind of enjoy it. What, what are you guys' first uh, first reactions to this one? Um, yeah, it's it's a fairly simple episode. I mean, the the storyline it's it's not complicated. Um, I'd agree with you. It's kind of you know kind of like everyday life in a way on a starship, um, except for Troy who kind of kind of messes things up. Um, I, I enjoy the scenes, um, <laughs> the dinner scenes with Data. Um, I, I'm just snickering, you know when. Picard has him come down, you know, to cut because he's he's obviously stuck in this very uncomfortable situation, and there's literally no way to get out of it without being presumed as being rude. And he brings Data down there, and the looks on um, Patrick Stewart's face when you know it's just like he's so enthralled by Data when normally he's just <laughs> like when normally he's just like Data, shut up, <laughs> you're talking too much. And then the scene when they're they're leaving, he's like Data, you say you know you have no. I owe you, you know, you saved me, you know, it's, uh, I, I, it was, it was, really, it's yeah, very, the there is the data doesn't get it at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, re- it's just refreshing. It's just lighthearted. It's fun. It's, um, you know, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I I um I did enjoy that those parts, especially the uh, funny stuff with Data and the the conversation, and of course uh, Patrick Stewart's reaction to that stuff too. But I'll be straight with you, and I don't maybe I was just in a in a mood when I watched this or something, but I really disliked it. I I, I know hmm. I know like I know like today the goat of our episodes obviously is, is the last one, no brainer. But this is a to me this was a different kind of bad in the sense that. You know, Shades of Grey, which we'll we'll discuss briefly, I'm sure, but is a uh, is something you can you know it's bad, but you kind of just ignore it. And then you like get go do chores or something while it's on, you know. But this one to me struck me as like it seems it seemed to me so much like just a um it could like random 80s sitcom-y kind of vibe <laughs> or something to it. Like it's going along, and there's you know there there are funny stuff like the, the Data and Picard thing we you've spoke of, but most of it felt just kind of like it just it just go goes nowhere you know it just feels like it's like a soap opera and there's blah 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 going to these car- you know i don't i don't know that that's what it felt like to me i, I grew tiresome no, i know i can i can de- i can definitely see where you're coming from i wouldn't say this is a good episode at all i mean the the plot line's pretty weak um but it, uh, to me i just kind of found it entertaining it was just yeah well I, I guess what i'm saying is that i I, I was specific to say I I enjoy watching it and I absolutely enjoy it. I enjoy this sense yeah. of mm-hmm. daily life on the ship. Um, but no, I think this is great. We we so seldom basically disagree, and I think it's good. I think we should do that more often. Uh, <laughs> I'll just be calm. So that's right. We love it so much. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, well, you know, like like say later we're going to talk about um, peak performance. Uh, which is an episode that has a lot of things in it that I enjoy. And then, like most episodes, even when they've got something kind of going on okay, they have to like, they, they feel like they have to bring in some kind of actual deadly threat, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's so common and we're so used to it, we don't even think about it. You know, the emissary has it, Shades of Grey has it. This is the one today that doesn't have that. And they didn't, they didn't bring it in, which they could have. You know, yeah. they could have done something much more serious with the Antigans, uh, for example. Um, but they didn't. Even their little bit wasn't like that. And as I mentioned, as I said already, what I like about it, too, is that it's not played completely for laughs. You know, it's not full-on comedy. And and what maybe is – we can and we'll get to what it's about is, is it because I don't have a lot of an answer for that one. I, I recognize it as not that strong of an episode um, and maybe one that doesn't hold up so well. But in the stream of watching Star Trek, it's a nice, um, it's a, it's just kind of a nice, relaxed thing to me. You know, for example, I like I do I like Loaxana. Uh, maybe one too many of her episodes. They were a little bit one note ish. You know, she really just had one or two kind of things, and then they would kind of play them. Um, but I do like her. I like her character. I like her relationship with her daughter. Um, I, I I like seeing her and, and um, there's nothing in this episode where I'm like uh, um, just waiting for it to be over or something. I you know I I definitely do not I absolutely do not uh, hate this episode. It's one that's um, if I was hitting the highlights of season two, I probably would watch it. If this episode was in season three, no, I'd probably skip it. No, I, yeah, I'm probably a little bit in between you. I can definitely see where um, Steve's coming from um, about the episode. It's, you know, when we get to about what this episode's about, I mean, there's, I, you really, I couldn't come up with anything. Um, but at the same time, I agree with you, Brian. It's like um, I found myself being entertained by it at the same time. I'm, I'm guessing, like, probably, you know, if you you asked one of the cast members about this episode, they'd probably say it wasn't a good episode, but they enjoyed I doing bet they it because. Even- I bet they wouldn't well, even remember it. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not. Well, if you asked them, you know, um, a couple months after they met, after the season was over, they'd probably be like, "Well, it wasn't a great episode, but it was kind of fun." I mean, they're they're fun moments. There's lighthearted moments, and um, Star Trek um, from time to time gets, you know, we talked about it gets kind of serious, and you know, there's always got to be drama or action in there. And um, you're right. There's nothing. There's no really no conflict in here. I guess they, you know, the Antigans, the the fishy people. Um, you know, they they didn't even really need to be in the episode. For me, it was like they really kind of had no purpose, and the end was kind of just I I don't know what what that was about, but okay. 
Yeah. They were just kind of amusing part. I mean, the only part about the Antiguans that I enjoyed were the the lines that Worf had. You know, he's like, oh, they're a handsome race. <laughs> yeah, you know, the scene, well, the did, scene with. I want to say something about the Antiguans that I liked. I liked how different how they gave us a kind of a different alien species because mm-hmm. you know if i was going to be if i wasn't if i didn't love star trek right i could probably watch star trek a lot more cynically and i could maybe say um you know if we actually encounter life out there it's probably going to be way more wildly different than you know basically a biped which is what 99 percent of the species we find are right yeah. um so even giving us just a little bit of a taste of somebody, because the way these the way the Antiguans are, not only do they look funny, and they, I mean, yeah, it's a guy in a suit. Um, the eyes were cool. They, I think they did a good job they with still, the eyes. Yeah, they still look okay, even for a guy in a suit. But more particularly interesting to me is this way that they, you know, that they uh, travel deep space, dormant or whatever, and the way you kind of let's, let's put them in, I don't know, what cargo bay or whatever they do for a while. Um, that's that's interesting and that's different and that's very non-human, you know. So I, I kind of enjoy that aspect of it. We don't get a lot of of sentient aliens that we communicate with in a sentient way like that that are still so different in so many ways. Mm-hmm. So you know, I kind of enjoy that. No, I I didn't need them to ever come back or anything like that. I'm not in love with the Antiguans, but just this concept of if we're going to bring on aliens, um, let's make them alien, you know. Mm-hmm. So I you know, I kind of like that. You know, yeah, it's a good. It's go ahead, Steve. Oh, well, just to say, you know, it may be that. I mean, this is the first one, obviously, I watch of a, of a set. You know, we <laughs> I watch them in the clumps that we do for the podcast naturally, and I think if it was just kind of like going along, like maybe clump between a couple of other episodes, maybe it was just I was I don't know what I was coming out of, but you know, so let's watch, start watching this, and it's and it's it's almost I don't know if this makes much sense, but it's almost like the epitome of mediocre. You know, I mean, it, it's just mm. a it just goes about its business without anything to make me, uh, you know, it, there's nothing particularly, there's nothing pretty exciting to make it good, but there's also nothing that is just kind of like, wow, this is stupidly bad, like Shades of Grey is, and this kind of thing, too, to such an extent that it it kind of, in the mood I was in, I guess, watching it, just kind of made me tired of watching it. You know? Well, I wonder, you know, one of the things of our podcast here is to evaluate, evaluate these episodes um, with hindsight. Um we we have we're looking back on them mm-hmm. you know is this something that uh because it, because among other things we don't have a great deal of an answer for what it's about because it doesn't have a lot to say or many questions to ask uh that it doesn't hold up so was it did you did you were you more indifferent about it you know when it aired versus nowadays that you find it tiresome uh, you know, I, I I obviously remember it when it aired, but it's not it's not particularly memorable. You know, I remember the uh, the alien race and what they looked like, and there's a Dixon Hill component and Loxy. I remember all the individual elements, but I don't necessarily remember them all in the same episode right away. You know, it was kind of just elements. Mm-hmm. You know, they, that seemed just kind of like let's throw them together into an episode or something because I didn't remember them as a coherent episode until I started watching the episode and seeing all the characters going. You know. So yeah, Brian, I like your point about the Atigans. I mean, you know, I I take your point that it's a different race, but they didn't really do anything with them. I mean, you know, you don't other than other than the fact that they they sleep and hibernate, sleep when they space travel, and they're terrorists at the end. Um, you don't really get a sense of who they are. They don't kind of go into it, and that's kind of what I I would kind of disagree with your point that it was they were cool and you know it was kind of a nice a nice way to kind of bring in a new species i think if they they should have went further with these guys because literally i mean there's no background why why are they terrorists why why are they going there to blow Mm. up this conference i mean you don't really get any of that in that episode and i think if you're gonna a a stronger choice would have been to kind of do more character development with these guys and um it might have made it a stronger episode but that wasn't really the, the. It was kind of like a. I'm sorry, I kind of like a half-ass B story. I mean, the the episode was clearly about Loxana Troy and her, her condition. So, um, I think they kind of they kind of missed it there with these species. Mm, that's a fair point. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess we we kind of went over all the, the comedy, which I think still, you know, still mainly holds up, but. Mm-hmm. I, I they're they're kind of broadcasting themselves a bit when 
it's Picard, and but it, that's that's funny because we're kind of the audience that's in on the joke, and he obviously isn't. And he says, mm-hmm. you know, it will be a dress uniform, gentlemen, or whatever. And then, what's he talking about? You know, you immediately know, and then they give us a couple more scenes like that. But it's fun, and then Adam, I think you already pointed out about uh, data and all that stuff, and I I do enjoy that, and it does kind of mm-hmm. make me it does make me laugh. And then even in the uh, the bar, um, you know, allowing Loaxana that moment with the bartender and stuff. Um, I don't know. I, um, you know, we can go ahead and say what it's about, which like, sounds like none of us have much of an answer. There's a little, there's a hint of something about, about aging and, you know, losing control as you're aging, but it's so, it's, it's not really about that. I mean, it's such a hint. It's so minor. Um, I certainly don't think it's about menopause. Is this the last time we see Dixon Hill? I'm not sure. Well, do so, you count you know, obviously first contact? First contact. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe. I'd say yes. It may be the last time until first contact. Because I always have this image of Dixon Hill being such an early mm-hmm. next-gen thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody write in and tell us how wrong we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, um, idiots. Me weird. <laughs> do you guys ever watch Star Trek? It's a show. <laughs> um and you know, like the smile on Riker's face whenever Troy tells Picard she's chosen you, and Riker's like, "Congratulations, sir." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a amused, number one. That makes me laugh. Just the smile on his face makes me laugh. Well, yeah, the, the, those scenes are amusing, and then she's like, "You know, our sex drive is tenfold," and Riker's like, "You didn't tell me that." <laughs> it's it's so, uh, they're amusing scenes. So I don't have much for what this is about, and it doesn't sound no, like do you I. guys you guys do either. Oh. Um, but as mentioned, I, I I enjoy the I just enjoy occasionally have a an episode with a relaxed pace, you know. Um, I don't know why this just popped in my mind, but it always bothered me that after Best of Both Worlds Part Two, they didn't the next episode wasn't family, and it should have been, you know, um, for those same kind of reasons. But anyway, um, so. Steve hates this episode. Adam <laughs> thinks it's ho hum, and Brian enjoys watching it, but would have skipped it if he was watching it in the third season. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a big plus for this one, um, but um, I'm glad we have it. I'm glad they took some time. I'm glad they took a breather in this second season. Um, and I like Dixon Hill too. So we don't have much for that one. Let's move on to one that I think we all hopefully care for a little bit more. But first. Six degrees for manhunt. Um, Adam, you want to go first or second? I'll go first. Rod Arantz plays Rex, the bartender that Loaxana happily cozies up to. In Voyager's fourth season, in the episode Living Witness, he played Daleth, the Baskin ambassador. Finish this line from Janeway at the beginning of the episode. <clears throat> when diplomacy fails, there's only one alternative. Violence. Force must be applied without apology. It's the blank way. What's the blank word there? Uh, it's the Klingon way? No, sir. Steve? Uh, I don't know, this isn't ringing a bell. Uh, Starfleet way? You are correct. It's the Starfleet way. All <laughs> uh, right, Steve? Mm-hmm. Robert O'Reilly plays Scarface, the second man that comes to Dixon Hill's office with the intention to kill him. This is O'Reilly's first appearance on Trek, but he will, of course, become best known for playing the Klingon Garon on both Next Gen and DS9. But in DS9's final season, he played the casino accountant in the episode where the DS9 crew robs the casino. Name the episode. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Is that one... I get, I get the titles mixed up in some cases. Is that one Bada Bing Bada Bang? You are correct. It's Bada Bing Bada Bang. Steve's got two. Moving on. <laughs> The Emissary, Season 2, Episode 20, Production Number 146, Original Air Date, June 26, 1989, Directed by Cliff Cole, Story by Thomas H. Calder, Teleplay by Richard Manning and Hans Beimler, Music Composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Diana Moldar as Catherine Pulaski, Susie Plaxon as Kalar, Lance Legault as Katim Mock, George Ann Johnson as Admiral Gromek, Colmini as Miles O'Brien, and Elizabeth Ramsey as Clancy, and Diedrich Bader as Tactical Crewman.
The Enterprise, obeying orders from Starfleet Command, beams aboard a special emissary named Kalar, a half-human, half-Klingon female who has a special past with Worf. Kalar informs Picard that they must intercept a Klingon vessel whose crew has been in cryogenic sleep for a century. The Klingons began their voyage while the Federation was still at war with the Klingon Empire, and if they awake within striking range of a Federation outpost, post, the results will be devastating. We'll dishonor our sacred traditions? Oh, they're not sacred. They're absurd. Marrying you is out of the question for a million reasons. None of which stopped you earlier. Worf, it was what it was. Glorious and wonderful and all that. But it doesn't mean anything. Okay, so here we have another example of uh, sex during a commercial. <laughs> that was, that was my first and they got dressed quickly, and they got dressed very quickly. Yes, um, but uh, yes, it did. It did happen. Um, so I remember this episode probably slightly more fondly than I should, just given you know uh, when she comes back and how much I like that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Kaylor comes back, and just generally how much of an effect she's going to have on all of Star Trek. You know, because of um, Alexander. Um, but, you know, their kind of love story section there, it, it actually, you know, it, it works. The show works. This episode works. And um, I enjoy it. And it, it even tries to talk about some things. But um, I'm interested to hear what you guys think here. Uh, yeah, I, I always remember this one, um, mostly because of the influence she has, and of course, later on, Alexander and all of that, so even though she's only in a couple episodes. Um, but I like her character a lot, and I think that's what makes it, for me, that's what makes it uh, so memorable. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, that's pretty much it. I like her character a lot, and of course, it leads to other things later on, and that, those things are memorable. Belana, she's she was half human and half Klingon too, right? Yes, Okay, and that's Kalar, half human, half Klingon. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, yeah, so I think that's one of the things that we like about her. You know, it's a very common Star Trek character to be kind of mm-hmm. half one, ha- half in one world, half in the other. Uh, even on this show, we've got um, both Data and Worf. You could argue are in those situations. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, she very, she's very clearly. Uh, prejudice against Klingons because mm-hmm. you know she can't control her Klingon side, um, and she thinks that means Klingons can't be controlled. Like in a way, you know, I think that's kind of why she thinks. You know, she says, I, "We'll try diplomacy with um, whatever that Klingon ship is, but I promise you, it won't work." And she's pretty much against it the whole time, mm-hmm. um, and she's making these assumptions about the Klingons. So I, I like that these these are kind of organic. You know, character things that are coming from places, and um, if we if we talk about you know Worf, kind of in this sort of in the same boat, um, then it's the kind of thing that makes them work so well together. And of course, later he's going to work so well uh, with Dax for these exact same kind of reasons. So I, I like her character too, and mm-hmm. I think that in in ways. Her character was kind of the prototype for characters right. like Dax and Bellana. Mm-hmm. Probably so. Oh, yeah, for sure. yeah. Well, yeah, she's the she's pretty much the first um, female Klingon character, strong female character that we're going to see. I mean, we'll get the Duras sisters, but I mean, we're not going to get a whole lot from them. I mean, and then you know, obviously Bellana, but she's um for as little as we see her in these two episodes. I mean, she she's a very you get a very full sense of who this character is and um, what she's about. So it's a very strong character. Um, it's too bad um, we don't see more of her. And you know, I liked about this episode. You know, you get you get more of Worf. You get kind of the the walls kind of come down, and you get to get to learn more about Worf and who he is and what kind of person he is. Um, and obviously, Worf's a very very enjoyable character to watch throughout the years. And um, these are you looking back, these are some of the, the first times we get to get to get to know him and um it's very enjoyable. 
yeah there's a lot of great or like forever like moments like i've thought about before if you were going to make like i don't know a youtube video of just like war highlight <laughs> lines <laughs> you'd have the robin episode with him you know destroying the uh ukulele or whatever it was <laughs> but i think you'd also have him responding to picard in this episode i am relaxed yeah that <laughs> <laughs> would have to be in there um so there's a lot of a lot of great stuff like that in here, you know. Who wrote who wrote this one, Steve? Um, this is that's a story by Thomas Calder, teleplay by Richard Manning and Hans Beimler. Okay, Manning and Beimler. Um, so you know you're getting a lot of pretty solid Klingon. I mean, this is as good as Klingon stuff gets until Ron Moore, right? Who comes on? He's in season three, isn't he? Or is he season four? Shoot, no, it must be season three. Anyway, I guess we're gonna find out soon. Woo-hoo. <laughs> I think it's, um, yeah, it's three. Okay. Um, structurally, this episode's great too. It's got a great pace. It's a really good story. I mean, um, I mean, you know, it's 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 a cool story to think about. You know, Klingons and you know what what could happen if they woke up and went and went berserk on somebody. So it's a compelling story. What are they going to do? How are they going to react to it? And then you know, obviously, the ending is very. It's it almost seems obvious right now, but I don't. I can't remember at the time when I first saw it if it was, if it was a surprise to me or not. But it's a it's a clever ending. Um, it's yeah, it's a very well written, edited, put together episode from top to bottom. Yeah, it is cool to see him in that uniform near the end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting, of course, that they bring Kalar on. It's a very common kind of writer's trick. We see a lot of Star Trek, uh, but they bring this character on, and apparently she and Worf have a history. Um, I guess it saves them some time uh, so that we already know that whatever they had going on, they weren't able to work it out. Um, I guess that saves them some time in this episode. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't too big of a leap for me. I was thinking, you know, because obviously Worf grew up on Earth and spent there probably wasn't a whole lot of Klingons on Earth at the time. And her being probably being half human, she would, seems like she spent a lot of time on Earth as well. So you, they, you so know, they probably thinks that. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, you know, it's a, so they probably knew each other growing up, and obviously, you know, they're probably like I said, there aren't too many Klingons around, so you probably know who they are, mm-hmm. especially on Earth. So it wasn't too big a leap for me. Hmm. Um, one of the things that um, slightly holds this episode back for me is so many little ways it's got a very 80s feel which is funny because like the first season of course is so full of it every mm-hmm. single episode and I and only when watching this episode when it kind of held it back some of the 80s-ish stuff like kind of the look of it um, in a very specific way to this episode I don't mean in a generic way her outfits she, she has a different outfit in almost every damn scene <laughs> um, and the music is particularly like 80s sounding in this one more than you know yeah. anyway it struck me as Oh yeah, I was thinking this like all through the first season and then a bunch of this. But at some point in this second season, I, I started to not be thinking about it, which makes me think it's not as extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's getting better. Because certainly by a little bit later in this series, I'm not going to be thinking that all the time. Yeah. Uh, but it must have gotten better because this episode stood out to me as feeling a little bit dated. And that kind of holds it back just a hair. It's a minor comment, but it's mm-hmm. still kind of true. I kind of liked her outfits. I didn't say I didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I just said they looked like she was getting ready to um, do flash dance or something. <laughs> the Klingon um, flash dance. Klingon flash dance. Well, Klingon calisthenics, which, yeah. you know, I'm all for. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the getting to see a skeleton guy again. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. I, I like, I really like, it's a minor thing, but I like it. I like that um, when Picard uh, tasks Worf with uh, helping her out um, and he says, get somebody else to do it, please. And Picard, Picard doesn't say, Picard says, are your reasons personal or professional? You know, and he says personal, basically. Picard doesn't say, well, what are the reasons or, you know, yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't say that. Maybe it's because it would be intrusive. Maybe it's, it's irrelevant. Regardless, he's the captain. He says, if they're personal, not good enough reason. Just take cool. care of it. Okay. You know, I like that he doesn't ask. It's a quick thing. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, overall, I, I, I 
as we, it sounds like both Steve and I kind of said the same thing there. I, I think I remember it slightly more fondly than maybe it deserves um, because of its effect on the show. Uh, but I do like her character and I'm going to like her. And, and more specifically, maybe the other reason I remember it more fondly is because I'm going to like her character even more the next time. I think she really nails it on the next one, uh, gets the tone just right. Um, you know, Worf's obviously perfect here, but he's he's got a little more practice at playing his character than she does playing hers. Um, what's this episode about, guys? Well, growing up, not um, holding to um, expectations of honor, I guess, because I think Warp was, um, you know, he kind of came down. It was duty bound, you know, the whole marriage thing. He, you know, it wasn't that he wanted to do it. He it, he was kind of expected to do it. Um, yeah, he says, honor demanded no less, and then she kind of responds, what do you want? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not and it's not necessarily Warp wanted to do it. I think he, you know, like you said, it was just honor demanded him to do it. And um, he was able to kind of realize by the end of the episode that he didn't really want to do it either. You know, so they were kind of able to kind of come to the uh, mutual understanding between each other. Well, this is, of course, going to be a theme with Warp all through next gen and even more so i think in ds9 um kind of his living up to his belief of what it means to be a klingon you know yeah mm-hmm. i think there might be a little bit in this too of um kind of making things work you know i mean like there is constantly there's no there's no solution we're gonna have to blow them up blah 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 blah. we can't work together we can't find common ground et cetera, et cetera. but you find you know find a creative solution and also in in their relationship i mean it's not black or white Worf wants it to be black and white but it, it's it's not that way you know and he hasn't come to that realization yet i mean it, it's I don't know. It's working, working through things a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's a great scene in there with the first scene where they're in that little, I don't know, lab, where he's like yelling at her. There's always another solution, and she's just kind of smiling. Well, there was, you know, because there was another. He didn't want to. He couldn't come to another solution. Obviously, when they when they first had their first encounter, you know, when you see that pass, because he was very ambivalent and cold to that. So yeah, I see what your your point you're trying to make. Yeah, I like that, and and I, I like that they end with this with this notion of um, of Worf, you know, being very clear that it was about more than honor. It was about more than sex. You know, he does he does have feelings for her, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and of course they end it the right way. It's a TV show; they can't end it any other way. But they end it in a way that. I expected her to come back, and I'm glad that she did. Um, so I, I like this episode. I, um, I guess we didn't spend as much time on it as I anticipated, but uh, that's okay. It seems like we generally have positive feelings about it. We have a, some good answers for what it's about. So it holds up. Cool. Um, it's going to be a couple of years before we see her again. <laughs> um, but uh, a lot's going to happen. <laughs> Indeed. All right, so... We could keep talking, but Worf would say, talk or play, not both. <laughs> so, how about six degrees for Emissary? Uh, Steve, I believe you have two. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Susie Plaxon plays Kalar, Worf's ambassadorial love interest. We asked about her earlier this season when she played the Vulcan, Sailor. Uh, one of her more interesting Trek roles was when she played the female Q in the Voyager Season 3 episode dealing with the Q Continuum's Civil War. Name this episode. As always, I only ask episode names when I find them interesting, specifically, or <laughs> memorable. Uh, okay. Bang, bang. So yeah. I think this one kind of always stuck out to um, was this one? Obviously, it has Q in the title, right? Right. Was this one Cupid? No, sir. Uh, okay. Q Continuum Civil War. Uh, Adam? Um, I'm just going to say continuum. The Q and the gray. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I had to ask about this guy. I'm sorry. Uh, Dietrich Bader uh, plays the tactical officer that replaces Worf when Worf briefly becomes captain. 
name the long-running TV comedy series that he would become known for just a few years later. It will. Uh, the lead actor's name was in the title of the show. Would that be the Drew Carey show? You are correct. It was the Drew Carey show. <laughs> Funny seeing him up there. Uh, moving on. Peak Performance, Season 2, Episode 21, Production Number 147. Original air date, July 10th, 1989. Directed by Robert Shearer, written by David Kemper, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Diana Moldar as Catherine Pulaski, Roy Brocksmith as Sierra Kalrami, Armin Shimmerman as Braktor, David L. Lander as Ferengi Tactical Officer, Leslie Neal as Nagel, and Glenn Morshauer as Burke. <laughs> As part of the first Starfleet battle simulation program, Picard and Riker are tapped to complete to compete against each other in a mock battle. Picard will command the Enterprise while Riker is assigned the Hathaway, an unequipped 80-year-old vessel, which he is given 48 hours to outfit for battle. Acting as the observer of the exercise is Kolmari, a master strategist from the Zakdoran race, which is reputed to have the greatest strategic minds in the galaxy. You will have 48 hours to ready your vessel before the Enterprise attacks. And we'll experience actual battle conditions. Correct. Engineering will disconnect the Enterprise's weapons and link the system with the modified laser pulse beam. All hits will be recorded electronically. If the computer registers damage, it will act accordingly. All right. And here we have what, in my heart, will always be the end of Season 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what, what, the one thing that's odd about this episode to me is uh, that uh, the data storyline, which clearly seems like a you know, B storyline, I'm talking about data losing faith in himself. Um, the B storyline occupies less screen time, um, not as much of a part, integral part of the narrative. It's far more interesting to me than the A storyline. Um, there's character stuff there, there's what is this about kind of questions, and when we're not in those scenes, I kind of want to go back to them. So in a weird way, the B story being so strong, um, or at least compared to the A story, it kind of it hurts the A story a little bit for me. Do you guys mm-hmm. have that feeling? No, I agree with that. I hear you. Yeah. Um, I kind of, you know, they kind of relate a little bit, but I mean, Riker is obviously the, the opposite side of that, it's just of kind of his confidence and... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just it, it didn't bother me the the A and B. I would say that um, the data stuff is um, is actually a very strong part of this episode. Um, him kind of realizing that, but um, I didn't kind of feel as strongly as you two did. But uh, you know, I like the I like the whole I like the war games idea. Um, I love putting Riker and a small crew on this ship and having them fix it up, and that's fun. That's cool. Um, but mostly. The stuff I remember and love the most, the stuff that I that I want to watch again, like right after I see it, is Troy coming in to counsel Data. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know, the second it's so it's so good because the second she walks in there, the look on her face and it's Data, and you realize what's going on. She's going to counsel Data, and you're like, that's a half basic. Giving therapy, psychotherapy to a to an android. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. And and I totally believe that uh, Data would do everything he did, and that Data would be in his quarters. And just like any person who's going through something like that would be in complete denial. No, no, no. I'm I'm just obviously there's a problem with me. I'm just running a check. It's not what you're saying. It's not. I haven't lost faith in myself or something like that. That's silly. I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I love that. And then. And then you get Pulaski coming in there, um, and she's just as unsuccessful as Troy. And that gives you, yeah, look, he's got all these friends. This is his family. And then, of course, it takes his mentor, his father figure-ish person, uh, Picard, to come in there and say, you need to do this. And then, of course, he has the the moment where he kind of um, is just a little bit more human and emotional with him and says more of the mentor thing. And, um it is possible to make no mistakes and still lose, and that's life. You know, a simple little thing, quick little thing, move right on. But um, that's getting into what the episode's about in a way that the A story has no chance of doing. And then, of course, the most satisfying thing in the episode, one of the most satisfying moments of any Next Gen episode, is when he beats, uh, what's his name, Sterna? 
Mm-hmm. When he beats Siernet by changing his strategy of just playing to a draw. And uh, Data's like, well, I didn't really beat him. And, and he <laughs> sees what everyone's thinking. And I think he really feels it. Okay, yeah, I beat him. I busted him up, you know? <laughs> um, and that's funny. And it makes you cheer. And it's great. And good God, why isn't that the end of the season? Damn! <laughs> uh, well, kind of clearly, you know, uh, they, they try to make make a point of this that Data doesn't um, have heart. He doesn't have ego. I don't think ego plays a part in this. Um, clearly, I kind of feel like Data has. Um, you, you get to uh, a feeling for his emo- his emotions um, in this in this episode because he cares. You can tell he cares. He cares about what he what he's doing. His performance. Um, they may not be emotions that um, everybody else feels, but they're they're data emotions, as I like to I, I kind of like to think of them. Yeah, my thoughts on that. I know Brian, you mentioned that uh, the A story suffers somewhat because the B story is stronger. For me, what it's like is that the um, that the strength of the B story um, makes the episode in general all, kind of forgettable because. You know, obviously, so much time is spent with the whole notion of the war game thing, which is this kind of lackluster in general. That um, that that uh, you know, I'd almost forgotten about the B story. I mean, when we when I saw it again, I, I you know, I remembered all these things. I saw the um, the interesting uh, interesting stuff they did with uh, with uh, Data and doubting himself and is this an emotion or not an emotion and how does this work for an android and all this stuff too and I remembered it but it was very vague because this episode is obviously dominated with the whole war game thing so that's kind of how I treat it it's almost like the B story was strong and uh, the A story is so forgettable it, it's un- it's so unfortunate that they didn't put a majority of the time on the stuff with Data yeah if they just flipped him if yeah. what was the B was the A and yeah, what was the A was the B. I think I would have felt it would have been it felt like a much stronger episode if it had been a data episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Caesar, what do you think of Siernan? What's his name? Oh, the 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 triple Zach- chin or the triple yeah. cheek guy? <laughs> yeah, the Zach Dorn. Um, he was good. I mean, you know, he was kind of the um, antagonist of the episode. You know, very arrogant. So I mean, he played his role. He played his role well, and um, I, you know, the way it was written, I mean, that's probably what they wanted a real arrogant character, and that's what they got. Um, can you unplug your laptop? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um. Yeah, so do we even like we like the war game storyline then? I mean, it, if it weren't for making it feel weaker, Steve, you, I guess you said you think it's lackluster even outside of this idea of it being weaker because of the A story. I think it would have been it'd be an average season two episode um, with just the A story being what it is. I mean, I don't think it's bad. I mean, you know, it's um, you know, it's 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 fine. It's okay. I, I it didn't well, bother I, me or anything. But yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but I. You know, I think it would have been, yes, it would have been harder to write, but I, I would have been more interested if they hadn't had to resort to the, you know, okay, real um, drama coming in with the Ferengi and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I would have, I would have preferred them to play out the, the war game. The whole Ferengi thing was kind of, at, you know, I, I kind of would have preferred them just to actually play out the whole thing um, and maybe just have drama just within that. I didn't think they needed to bring in a Ferengi ship. To me, I'm like, wouldn't they do this in a safe spot where there, you know, there's not going to be any? Um... Yeah, they're going to deactivate their weapon systems for God's sake. <laughs> should should shouldn't it be deep in the Federation? Where right, gonna... right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. semantics. I like the little minor. It's a totally insignificant thing, just a little techie thing. I like the little minor bit about, you know, Wes sneaking over to get his um, <laughs> science projects so that he can give the ship warp and all that stuff. I like that. I really do. Um, and then the idea of giving that ship a couple seconds of warp, that, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a couple of cool like visual images, uh, special effects shots, like that shot of the Enterprise kind of between uh, the Ferengi ship and the Hathaway. That's a cool yeah. – I think there's even a planet in the background maybe. Anyway, that, that's a cool shot and a cool effect. Yeah, yeah I, I like the setup of the Hathaway. You know, it was um, – you could kind of tell they, they did a good job with the era, you know, and some was that, shit. Was that the same – was that like reused footage or something of um, – of uh, Picard's old ship, Stargazer. I thought so. I think it's the same class of ship, certainly. Okay. Yeah, I guess that would yeah. be. Yeah. 
Yeah, he has a model of it in um in the ready room or yeah in his ready room. Hmm. Um. Well, I think like I said earlier, the the most satisfying thing to me is just that the conclusion of that B storyline, and I really wish they had just ended the season this way. Huh. Um, mm-hmm. um. I I love the them playing the game, the strategy of the game, that that sequence, and and they set it up nicely, of course, with Riker uh, losing so quickly earlier. Um. But for as many interesting things as there are in the A story, uh, it just doesn't hold the candle to the B, and the B is makes it hurts the A. Um, what is this episode about, guys? I think it would be about um, finding yourself, finding your. Um if you know, if we're going to talk about the the B story, it would be about um, Data finding himself, his his confidence, if you will, um, if you could say that. Um, uh, you got, I mean, you'd have to kind of say that he doubted himself because he, you know, he spent so much time looking for, you know, a system failure or, or an error, and you know, and Picard had the the great line in there. He's like, you know, it is possible to do everything right and still lose, and um. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's a good moral lesson you know, um, just because you lose doesn't mean you know you're a failure. Yeah, um, and mm-hmm. and that's what I'm saying you know and that goes the same for Riker you know I mean obviously it, it it's not about winning or lo- this episode wasn't necessarily about winning or losing it was like h- how you played the game. Yeah, yeah I can see that I can see that if you have to come up with something to tie that A and B story together it's something to that effect I mean it's. Basically, that you you got to use what you got. You know, you you only you nobody's perfect. Um, yeah, kind of coming off that idea of you can not make mistakes and still fail. Um, but on on turning that on its head is the idea of you just you know if you if you really want to give it the you know get the best result. Uh, all you all you can really do is give the best you got. You know, mm-hmm. we we all come to realizations that we have imperfections or we have disadvantages. But uh, you you uh, you just you just use what you got. That's all you can do. You know, in um, Data's case, this is probably a, a, the first time where he did fail, and you know, and he probably the you know so you know there's the old saying in sports. You know, you learn more from failing or losing than you do from winning, and um. I think data. I mean, we clearly we've talked about how strong the B story is. I think he learned a lot from his failure in this episode. And yeah, it it's good. one of those episodes where you genuinely feel like he's one, you know, micron closer, one mm-hmm. tiny, tiny step closer to being human. You know, you can see that he learned something about mm-hmm. what it is to be human in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, since it's the B story, it's it makes it automatically feel like a stretch if that's where. We're getting what's it about from? Yeah, but you know that said, um, I enjoyed this episode. I just wish it had been the last episode of the season. Unfortunately, it isn't. Hmm. Uh, before we talk about that, let's do um, six degrees for peak performance. Oh golly, <laughs> what was our two, score? Two one me, I think. Two one Steve. Okay, Adam. Yes. Roy Brock Smith plays the Zakdorn Sirna Kolrami, the tactician that lacks faith in both Riker and Data. In DS9's fourth season, he played the Bajoran Razka Karn. In the episode Indiscretion, Razka Karn informs Kira of the location of a crash site for a Cardassian freighter. When Kira goes off to find it, who goes with her? Um, that would be Gul Dukat. You are correct. 2 2. Steve. Mm hmm. Armin Shimmerman plays Damon Brachdor, the Frankie captain that wants uh, what he thinks the Hathaways got. Of course, Shimmerman will be best known as Quark throughout DS9. For which next-gen film did Shimmerman film Quark scenes that were left on the cutting room floor? Mm, yes. Uh, was it uh, Insurrection? You're correct. It was Insurrection. What's that make our score? 3-2. Three, 3-2. Three, two. Two. Three, two. Moving on. <laughs> Shades of Grey, Season 2, Episode 22, Production Number 148, Original Air Date, July 17, 1989, Directed by Robert Bowman, Story by Maurice Hurley, Teleplay by Maurice Hurley, Richard Manning, and Hans Beimler, Music Composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Diana Moldar as Catherine Plasky and Calmini as Miles O'Brien. <laughs> 
During a routine geological survey, Commander Riker is pierced by a small thorn, which causes him to lose the feeling in his leg. After beaming Riker back aboard the Enterprise, Dr. Pulaski determines that the thorn contains an unknown organism which is rapidly spreading throughout his nervous system. If left unchecked, the microbe will soon reach Riker's brain and kill him. It's spread to the spinal column. It's weakening his autonomic nervous system. Judging by its present rate of growth and its infiltration pattern, the infection will spread to the brain within an hour. <laughs> my, I've got my joke to kick it off, but if somebody else would like to go first. Go uh, ahead, Brian. This is, here's my, <laughs> here's my uh, impression, impersonation of this episode. All we've done is make things worse. Oh my God! <laughs> what what we need are more clips. <laughs> and then we come back to them in the sick bay. Oh my God! His vital signs are getting weaker. More clips. <laughs> um, my my notes consist of well to paraphrase, BS BS clip clip BS BS clip clip. That's that's what that's what I got. I don't. You know, Real, real quick, you know, you know the sad part about this episode. It actually probably could have been pretty good if they would have written a whole new story for his dream. I mean, obviously it was a writer strike, and they decided to throw something together. But if they actually had a yeah, like, had like, a whole dream narrative, cast, took, maybe yeah. Well, yeah, sure, sure. Or I mean, even yeah, I, even even some delusional thing, you know, where he he is in you know in in a in a different story. I mean, kind of like similar to Cisco, you know, when he did his when he had his dream sequence for you know. In, I, Sorry, it's late. I forgot what. But you know what I'm talking about? If they just created a whole new storyline when he's in his dream sequence, yeah, um, I, I think it could have been an interesting story. That it's very convenient that all of his memories happen to be from episodes of this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know. To duty, yeah. yeah, so the, the truth is, this episode was made because they'd, they'd run out. Of, basically, they have a contract with you know Paramount that says we're Paramount says we're giving you X number of dollars you're going to provide us with X number of episodes and they ran out of money and um, they only had like three days worth of money to shoot this thing instead of the normal seven so they did a clip show which by today's standards is a complete joke but even by the 80s it was not cool um, but it was still fairly common um Thank God they never did it again. They knew what a mistake it was. I wish they had just said to Paramount, hey, why don't you keep that three days' worth of money and uh, we'll just call it a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Star Trek would be much better off without this episode. I can't immediately say for sure this is the worst episode of Star Trek. It's certainly one of the top few worst episodes of Star Trek. However, I probably hate it more than any other. It's the, it's the last episode of Star Trek I would watch. Even if maybe a couple of the other ones are slightly worse, I would watch them before I would watch this one because this is just not even fun. There's 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 nothing redeeming in this. This is just absolutely god awful crap in every possible conceivable <laughs> way. And even though the clips don't even begin until the episode's a third in, I spend that 15 minutes just dreading it, waiting for it. And even then, even outside of the clip stuff, they sh- it's it's like three locations. It's a tiny little ship set. It's the transporter room, and it's sick bay. So yeah, so there's there's just there's nothing redeeming, and it's claustrophobic even when they're not in the clips, and it's it's just terrible. And any show that does a clip show, it just makes it seem like a second tier show. I mean, I can name a few other TV shows, but Star Trek. This is the only time that they did that, and it's just terrible. And the world would be better off without this episode of Star Trek. And I'm not sure I'm ever going to watch this again, which is <laughs> how I kind of feel. Um, and uh, I don't even think we need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the episode isn't about anything. It's, it is what it is. I mean, we're past it now. Let's, let's talk about the great season two. Okay, but, oh, but first... Six degrees for shades of gray. <laughs> what is our score? It's three to two, right? Yes. All right. Um, Adam, you're going to go first. Here's okay. The question. Why? That's Why? it. That's the question. Why? Um, they ran out of money. Okay. Uh, Steve, which are better, peanut M&Ms or pretzel M&Ms? 
Uh, actually, I was eating pretzel M&Ms just like an hour ago. That's so funny that you asked that. Wow, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, that's really a tough question. There should be an episode on this. That's what the, the 22nd episode of the second season should have been about if there would have existed pretzel M&Ms at that time. Um, peanut M&Ms are classic. Pretzels <laughs> are new and interesting. Um, you, ask me again in a year. Okay. <laughs> incredibly minor, very very quick season two recap. You know, I'm looking over the list. This is just a weak season. The writer's strike, we talked about at the beginning. These first two seasons are super weak, and uh, this second season, I'd probably say it, it is slightly better than the first season, just because we're getting a little bit more of our characters. Yeah. But all this, all this, I spent most of this season watching it just thinking, man, I want to get to season three, because season three is so good. You know, this episode, this season, of course, we had Measure of a Man, we had yeah, Q-Who. High point, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, you know, those two, Measure of a Man and Q-Who, those are, they're, um, they're extraordinary for this season. They don't really, they, they stick out. They seem like they came from another season, almost. <laughs> um, there are a couple other decent ones, but for the most part, this is just a very weak season, mostly due to the writer strike and the fact that the show is so early, and we just want to get on to season three. Is there, you know, I assume you guys agree with me on those high points there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it kind of got solid towards the end. I mean, Emissary is good, and um, I, I like the last episode that we talked about. It's a solid episode. I wouldn't say it's a Sh- great Shades one. Shades of Grey, you mean? Shades yeah. Of Grey. No, yeah, yeah, I mean, Shades of Grey. It's such a solid episode, you know. Watch <laughs> solid it. piece of something. <laughs> um, um, the one thing that I, I kind of, you know, because... We're moving into season three. We're gonna we're, we're gonna lose Dr. Pulaski. I thought maybe, look, thinking about I was thinking about this today. I was like, it would have been nice to see her return to kind of have a closure on that character just for an episode somewhere down the line. Sure. But mm-hmm. obviously, they don't do that. But she's not as bad. She, I mean, she, her character got better as it went on. She was a little bit hokey to begin mm-hmm. with, kind of kind of bonesy, if yeah. you will. But um, she mm-hmm. came into her own in, in, towards the middle and, and the end. Um, unfortunately, she's in a weak season. But uh, I, you know, just on my wish list, it would kind of would have been kind of nice to see her return to kind of have like a, a closure for that character, just to kind of see what was going on with her. Because you know, first episode back into season three, it's going to be kind of like the first episode of season two. It's going to be like, oh yeah, we got the doctor back. What, what happened here? Mm-hmm. But we'll yeah. talk about that. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, I'm sure. No, that's that's a really good point too. Um, <sighs> I would have liked for her to come back, and, and um, she definitely grew on me. That's the biggest point there is that I did. Yeah. If you look at the the way you feel about her at the beginning of the season, you don't think that's going to happen. I didn't, but it but it definitely does. Um, and they kind of started getting a better idea of how to write for her, you know, so they could write for her in a different way too. Um, so that that that's that's nice, and it's and it's surprising. And her relationship with some of the different characters, especially Data, it goes mm-hmm. from being so confrontational to it's one eighty, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 very helps him become a better person. Um, so it's mostly just a, a season that, when it's good, it's uh, unusual, and we're gonna get to the point in this show when it's the opposite. You know, when it's mm-hmm. bad, it's unusual, and that's the the primary crux of that transformation is gonna happen when we start making when we start focusing primarily on episodes about our characters, which is not what we've done in seasons one and two, but that's what we're going to start to do in season three. Um, and that's why season three is going to be so dang good, and I'm so excited to talk about it. But, but hey, season two was great. We got a beard, we got a beard, we got the Borg, you know, come on. It wasn't that bad. So you got a yeah. third B there? Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is, it, it is. <laughs> It is still Star Trek, guys. We love it, and we definitely recommend you watch season two, which you probably except, already have. If you're, you're except for Shades of Grey, yeah, except for Shades of Grey, it doesn't <laughs> exist. Like the last, like the last episode of Enterprise, it just doesn't exist. Shades of Grey makes me appreciate the last episode of Enterprise. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I would, I would disagree with you there. <laughs> uh, well, moving on to uh, collars and everything is better with the collars and the uniforms. I think that's the trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we, see, okay. we actually saw it in their dress uniforms. The call, I think we saw the colors for the first time in um, Manhunt. In the dress pre- uniform. Yeah, sneak preview to the season three. Uh, you guys in your colors. <laughs> last thing, last but not least here. I had mentioned that uh, I would read at least one more of these uh, user thoughts on um, um, Star Trek... Uh, the latest Star Trek movie, and here goes. Scott Gilbert wrote in, I like the twist on the familiar. 
The sympathetic role Harrison has, while the Admiral is seemingly the main movie villain for the middle of the movie, was a welcome surprise for me. I also like the role reversal idea of that scene at the end with Kirk and Spock. My main complaint is that Spock doesn't earn the emotion he shows. A more internal performance would have been more powerful. Um, and then he also went on to say, I didn't feel like it was just a Kirk, Spock, Uhura triad in these movies. I thought it was Pike, Kirk, and Spock. Um, which I thought was an interesting idea. It kind of made me think more about like Star Wars with Obi-Wan and stuff. And then again, I, I really agree with his comments about Spock not earning those emotions. And yeah, so those are the last of the thoughts about Into Darkness. Feel free to send us any more, but that's, that's probably all the time we're going to take up reading your thoughts about them. Okay, well, this wraps up episode 666, which our listeners hopefully won't be able to tell if through the magic of editing, but it was a... Nightmare? Very, <laughs> very uh, it's a great nightmare. Uh, we record this episode over the course of three weeks. Yes. <laughs> for technical difficulties beyond imagination. Um, I guess that was our that was our bad luck episode, our six 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 sixty six episode. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I think thank God we made it through, and uh, let's wrap it up. And we're going to be back in two weeks to kick off season three, God willing. <laughs> uh, until next time, follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Uh, uh, Twitter, Twitter, uh, blah, blah. Um, our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. You can send us an email at Gmail. Uh, <laughs> look at that, it's so late now. <laughs> Trek Companion at Gmail.com. Okay, we're out of here. Bye. Bye. Bye.